0: Tell us where you came from. Where I came from? I was saved out of religion. I was born again reading the Bible. I knew bits of it really, really well. And um, I was an Anglican. My father was a vicar. Both my grandfathers were vicars. Got a very good heritage there. But we knew bits of the Bible because we had a lectionary which selected what they thought you ought to read and we didn't read the rest. My mother um, passed away this May, and she was 93, and she'd never read Job, because it wasn't in the lectionary. And, And one day God told us to read. He said, you need my whole counsel. And I began to read the whole Bible, and it was literally a revelation to me. It suddenly came alive, and so I have a passion for the Word that just you know, it's just um, because the word is life. The word is life. And the more we know the word, the more we live, the more we know life. And, you know, that's easy to say, not so easy to live, because we live in a world that doesn't know the word and doesn't live by the word. But that doesn't mean we can't, does it? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So praise God. I just praise God. I thank God I'm here. It's lovely to be with you. Thank God that you invited me. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'd just like you to close your eyes for a minute, if you would. I just want you to think about what you're wearing. Can you remember what you put on this morning? (laughs) Sometimes I can't. This wasn't what I was going to wear, but I spilled coffee down what I was going to wear. And so I had to choose something else. What I want to talk about this morning is our spiritual clothing. Um, because our clothes reflect, tell people things about ourselves, don't they? Our clothes reflect things. You know, if you wear a uniform, I used to be a nurse. If you wear a uniform, everybody immediately knows what you are, what you do. It's not what you are, it's what you do. Um, I had a friend who used to come and see me quite a lot, and I always knew if she was not having a good day because she always wore a coat on her bad days that she never chose on her good days. It was horrible with a button missing in the middle. And if I saw her coming up the path, I think, oh, gosh, she's not having a good day today. And, um, you know, you had to brace yourself for that. So our clothes are important, aren't they? What we wear is important. Um, And, you know, every physical thing we have and see has a spiritual parallel everything it says in Romans 1 that God has shown us by what he's created his invisible attributes so if you want to know how something on the unseen works find a parallel in the world where you can see it and, and then you'll see how God's done things in the unseen realm yeah so so I want to start with Isaiah 61 verse 10 Marvellous, there's a chorus actually, you could have chosen this one to sing, but (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Um, It's um, verse 10 of Isaiah 61, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So, what are these garments of salvation? What does it actually mean? You know, what what does that mean? The Bible's full of picture language. It gives us a picture of something that God's done in the unseen realm. the, The garments are like an outward expression of what God has done on the inside of us. So, joy is one of the things that salvation brings. Somebody from this congregation a long time ago sent me a postcard and it said it's knowing Jesus that brings the joy and how true that is. So joy is one of those garments of salvation that we wear. In Isaiah 12 verse 3 it says, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells. Can you see it as your bucket if you like to bring up? the wells of salvation and the other one is also from Isaiah 61 verse 3 the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness you know we can always praise God even if we don't feel like it that's the most wonderful thing and and when you do it makes a difference it really changes things because God gives us a change of clothes when we get born again when we're saved he gives us a change of clothes if you turn to Zechariah Chapter 3, there's a picture. Again, the Bible gives us a picture of this. is full of pictures. Not an easy book to understand. But this, this is a picture of Joshua, who is a priest. And he's clothed with filthy garments. And he's standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to Joshua, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. See, the NIV says, see, I've taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. And notice that he has taken away the sin, and he will put the garments on, because the dressing bit's a bit of a process, (laughs) isn't it? After we've got saved, our spirit is with God. No problem with that. It's the rest of us. It's the rest of us. And, you know, God does give us newness of life. If you, if you think of your physical skin, I was a nurse and I didn't know this till I trained nursing. You've got two layers to your skin. You've got the layer you see. And then underneath, you've got a much thicker layer. And that's where the life is. The top layer will be replaced regularly, all the time. You don't even notice it's going on, but it is. But below is where the life is that nourishes it. And it's beneath that it the life is. And that's, a, and that's a picture. Because God didn't just take away our sin and then put something over the top of us. He goes deeper than that. He does more than that. He wants us to be like Jesus, who was sinless. And we're in the flesh, aren't we? But Jesus was in the flesh as well, and he showed us how to be in the flesh, but not of the flesh. And, you know, in, um, in Romans 5, it says, the gift is not like the trespass. And the, the Passion Translation puts it like this. There is no comparison between Adam's sin and the gracious gift that we experience for the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. God has given us far more than a kind of a clean slate to start again because he's made it possible for us to be righteous. And, and that's what I want to look at. Just this, um, if you think of the prodigal son, you know, he, he took what he was entitled to And off he went and did what he wanted with it and then he began to be in want and he hadn't got any way of helping himself and he remembered his father's house and he it says he came to himself in that pigsty where he was feeding food to the pigs that he wouldn't have minded eating himself because he was in such a low state and he remembered his father's house and he thought i'll go back as a servant i can't go back as a son I can't go back as a son. I'll go as a servant and, and perhaps he, then I'll get food and I'll get a roof over my head and I can live and I know I'll be, be provided for there. And he comes back. But what does the father say? He meets him and he says to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. The best robe, it's the robe of righteousness. In that scripture in Isaiah, it doesn't say a robe of righteousness. It says the robe of righteousness. There is but one, and it's his robe that he gave to us. And, and all through the Bible, you get these, particularly in the Old Testament before Jesus came, you get these pictures of what God is doing and going to do for his people, for mankind. And they're hidden in, in what happens to the people in the Old Testament. The Old Testament isn't about the people and what happens to them. It's about what God is saying through them and what happens to them, to us. On every page, you can look, read a story, and you can see there is a spiritual parallel that God is telling us about it. The Bible's all about God. It's not about us. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's all about him. It really is. And there's a scripture in 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 to 4. Just a couple of little verses about David and Jonathan. And this is at the point where David is in Saul's court. Um, he's, He's part of Saul's retinue, and he serves the king Saul. Jonathan is Saul's son, and Jonathan loves David. He has a love for David, and it says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved David as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor even to his sword and his bow and his belt and jonathan gave that which was his to david because he loved him and i don't probably don't need you to say, to tell you what I probably don't need to tell you what john 3:16 says it says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that we should not perish, but those who believe on him should have eternal life. And he took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David. The robe of righteousness is Christ, is Jesus. He gave himself to us in this robe and covers us. It's a picture language that I know God wants us to get a hold of this morning. Who you are in Christ it's not something that just covers over little old me on the inside that isn't up to much. It's not, not that. It's not that. No, you're, you're a new creation in Him. And the robe is what people see on the outside. That's what they see. That's, that's what they see Jesus because it's His robe. In Romans 8, it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in likeness of the flesh on account of sin and he condemned sin in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5:21 says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It's something we become, it's not something we have. Do you you understand? I think this is a hard thing to get a hold of. But I know God wants us to try this morning. And, And, you know, the word, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, it says. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, John said, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this exchange of clothes cost Jesus. It cost him. You know, he was provoked. He was rejected. He was misunderstood. He was misrepresented. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed. He was denied. He was mocked. And he was cruelly treated. And, and in the account of his passion on, on his way to the cross... It's very interesting that the, the four Gospels have a different, slightly different account. In Luke's Gospel, Luke 23, verse 11, Jesus is brought before Herod. Pilate sends him to Herod because he hears he comes from Galilee. And it says, then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. And the other three Gospels um, don't don't give that account. They say that the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him, saying, Hail, King Jesus, King of the Jews. And then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Then when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. And Mark and John say it's a purple robe. Now, if you look in Revelation, there's a description of the mother of all abomination, or Babylon is her name. And she is dressed in scarlet and she's dressed in purple. So you see, he took our sin. The the Bible's giving this in picture language. He took our sin. He wore those clothes that did not belong to him. Since they took them off and put his own clothes back on him. They did not belong to him. And righteousness did not belong to us. But he exchanged it. He exchanged it. And it cost him. And when we were singing those choruses about being covered over, I was thinking about, you know, we think about we don't look at ourselves from above do we but that's how God sees us and so he sees he sees the blood he sees Jesus when he looks at us because of what he's done in us and when they used to take a sacrifice in the old testament they didn't when they took brought the sacrifice they would hold the sacrifice up and God would look on the sacrifice and not on them So you're not seen. You're not seen. He's seen. And God sees Jesus. We want other people to see Jesus in our lives. We want to be a witness as we go around in this world. But God sees Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I find that helps me remember what I'm wearing in certain situations on the phone when you're trying to get through to somebody or on the road or whatever. (laughs) You know? God sees Jesus. So let me behave like Jesus. Let me be, let me do and be what he would want me to be and do, you know. Um, because God is righteousness. That's what righteousness is. Like His love, His righteousness. We would have no understanding of what it was without him, would we? Isaiah 64 says, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. You just can't do it. You no? Know? And there, there is no righteousness outside of God, and that's why it's the robe of righteousness. I'm going to read that scripture from Romans 8 again and add the next verse because it says, What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according, not to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Because the law showed us what sin is. Flesh and sin separated us from God. What a state to be in. And what God did was send Jesus in the flesh to separate us from our sin in the flesh, so we could be reconciled to God. That is so amazing that he would be willing to do that. How else could we be separated out from this sin that separated us from God? God himself came and did the separating for us, on our behalf. But of course we are free to choose what we wear. Every morning, you can choose what to wear, if you don't have to put a uniform on. (laughs) you can. And it's exactly the same in the spiritual. Ephesians 4 tells us to put off the old man and to put on the new man. Again, the Passion Translation says, for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of holiness, of true holiness. And Colossians 3 tells us a bit more detail what to put off and what to put on. It says, put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And it tells us to put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, and above all these, put on love, the bond of perfection. That's quite a good list, isn't it? Quite a good start off, quite a good guide to know what we should be wearing and what we shouldn't. And it's, I always think of it as the small print at the back of the contract, you know, these epistles. Paul actually tells you what it means on the ground, doesn't he? know, In 1 John 3, 7, it says, the person who keeps doing what is right proves that he is righteous before God. And you see, flesh has works, but the spirit has fruit. And there's no law against the spirit of the Lord. And there's no law against the fruit of the spirit. Because the fruit of the spirit is the righteousness of God. And, you know, it's our daily choice, what we put on, what attitude I'm going to put on, what response I'm going to have to any situation, how I'm going to behave in all the things that life chucks at us. You know, and, and, and my cross and your cross, and Jesus said, take up your cross daily, deny yourself. Your cross, I read this somewhere and it helped me a lot. Your cross is where your will and the will of God meet what are you going to put on that cross? No, we all have it every day. Some days are worse than others, some days are better than others. <laughs> but you know, we all have a choice, these choices to make, don't we? And, and I think one of my, well, I've got lots of favourite scriptures, but this is one of them. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, For it is of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. Romans thirteen fourteen says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And, and it, take him, take him as a pattern and as a guide, imitate his example, obey his commandments, and you will become like him. So Lord, to you be all the glory. We thank you for this clothing that you've so graciously given us. And I pray, Father God, that you will enable us to have a walk worthy of these clothes you put us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.